собой шли вдвоем, а фонарики горели. И при виде их на момент прийти, и сердца наши замляли. Hello and welcome to the SRB podcast. And every week we deal with a topic relating to Eurasian politics, culture, and history. As always, I'm your host, Sean Guillory. The SRB podcast is sponsored by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Pittsburgh and members of the SRB Table of Ranks, who generously give contributions every month to this podcast. I have something different for you this week. Instead of the standard interview, I'm going to share with you an episode from this new podcast project, Miesta 47. A few months ago, I was contacted by Marina Dumikovskaya about her podcast and photo project, Miesta 47. Miesta 47 chronicles hers and Georg Waller's travels on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, where they just talked to people and recorded their stories. Some of them they put in written form, others they made, at, made podcasts. I really like Mista 47's idea and project. I listened to a couple of their episodes, and I thought to bring some attention to this great project, I decided to interview both Marina and Georg, and then play one of their episodes. So you're going to hear about three things today. First is The first is part one of an interview I did with Marina and Georg. Next, you're going to hear one of their episodes. It's called The Rapper. And then we're going to have part two of the interview I did with them, where we talk about the episodes and some of the interesting highlights in it. So if you like what you hear, I urge you to subscribe to Mista 47 on your favorite podcast app or visit their website, www.mista47.org. That's M-E-S-T-O-47.org. So here's Marina and Georg about the stories on the Trans-Siberian Railroad. So just just to start, I'd like to have both of you introduce yourselves. Okay, I'll start. Uh, my name is Georg Varna. I'm an Austrian designer and photographer. And my day job is as a graphic designer. I do some photo projects every now and then. And the Russia project we're talking about is a, like a passion project we did in our free time between jobs. Uh, hi, my name is Marina Dmuchovska, and I am Russian. And um, for many years, I worked in sport, in sport journalism. I worked uh, at, at two Olympic Games, um, and um, at some point, I decided to challenge myself with, you know, sort of um, finding out what I can do apart from sport storytelling. And uh, this project that we've done together, Master Forty Seven, is. It's a, it was an experiment, you know, we just sort of had an idea in our head. We wanted to cross Russia from Moscow to Vladivostok. And we sort of wanted to take a different look at the country through the stories of its people. Without, you know, because there's so much about Russia nowadays. And we wanted to do something, you know, something different. Um, and uh, as Georg mentioned, it just happened that both of us were sort of between our jobs. And it was a perfect timing. So, yeah, so we decided to uh, get on the train and uh, travel from Moscow Vladivostok and uh, collect human stories. 
yeah, go a little bit more into the origins of the project and, and why you chose an audio podcast um, form instead of say video or or just just writing, which you you do have writing on the on your website. But uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting. I, I mean, I find it a, an excellent idea. Uh, so talk a bit about more about its development and 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 what attracted you to doing it in audio form. Well, actually, it started as a photo project and a writing project. And for the interviews, we also took a recorder. And because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I really enjoy the format because I think it's really like it's it's kind of captures the true essence of everything. And there's no like photos with effects or anything that kind of, you know, polish it and make it look like more than it actually is. And so we just decided to bring a recorder. And in my imagination, it wasn't as it wasn't really the thing it became in the end, I feel like, because I thought I'd just gonna, you know, collect some atmosphere, some sounds, and then put that on a website with pictures so you get a sense for where you are. But I mean, in the end, we had so much material that it would have been a waste to not do anything. And then since we both enjoyed the format, we thought, okay, let's give it a try. Let's see if we can put it together between the two of us, because I don't have a lot of experience in audio. I mean, I did some video every now and then, but it was really a learning experience. And then kind of came together um yeah i guess you know when we boarded on the train uh, we didn't really have a plan <laughs> you know all we had we were like okay like we want to travel we want to meet people and to be honest like of course we wanted to get the stories of the people i guess um it's fair to say that the project was inspired by uh, humans of new york um it was also inspired in some way by uh, this American life, um, and of you know when we boarded the train, we were like, okay, well, we want to talk to people, but would people want to talk to us? That was that was a bigger question. Um, I don't know. Have you have you been on Russian trains before? Yes, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. And how was that? I mean, it's a, it's a great experience, especially, you know, being in the United States where train travel is so rare. Um, you know, particularly for me, I grew up in California, so trains are, were really a novelty. So riding on trains, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, I still have a, a, a kind of exoticism about it. <laughs> so, uh, and it's interesting because you do, and, and this goes to a, a question I have, you know, you do see you know just everyday people right it's it's not the usual you know what you would get in say my circles i would i know a lot of like academics and intellectual types right when i go to russia these are the people i I fraternize with um but you know i wanted to go back to something that you said marina where you know russia is in the news a lot so what did you with this project did you guys did you guys have something an idea of what you wanted to contribute by talking to people's story, like, you know, hearing people's stories and telling people's stories? Yes, I guess, uh, you know, depending on what media you follow on Russia, there is this feeling like there is always a certain view, a certain agenda, depending on, like, which camp you're in, you know. (laughs) And we just wanted to try out something different, like not have a filter, just remove this filter remove this angle of coverage, just meet these people, talk to them, and use their story, and have that story portray what life in Russia is. Because 
you know, traveling through so many regions and meeting so many people, you realize how different it is. And some of the stories are, you know, they're just so heartbreaking and so sad and so, so miserable, whereas some are really, you know, optimistic, hope-giving. And, and this is what we wanted to show, um, that it is very diverse, it is very different, and this is how it is. And if you read the stories, I also feel like, you know, those personal stories might be something that people in other parts of the world can really relate to. You know, because emotions and, you know, feelings that we have, our life paths, this is something like our destiny. This is something so universal in some way. Yeah, I also feel like that, like, everybody has a kind of a picture in their mind of Russia or probably every other country. And it's kind of probably pieced together by all the stuff you see in the news media and all the politics and, and stereotypes and history and whatnot. But I always feel like I have this experience when I travel somewhere that in the end, people are not so different because, you know, you have like certain problems that everybody has. And, and then if you just talk to regular people, I guess you find like a common connection and you get a different view of a country than just from like politics and stories like that. And I have to say that doing it in audio form is really effective because you get to hear their voices, right? If you read these things in texts, you don't get a sense of that person, the way their voice sounds, the way they're telling the story. Um, so I think it's a really, I mean, effective way. This is what attracts me to it in audio in general. It, I feel it's a really effective way to do exactly what you said that both of you were trying to accomplish. So how did people react to you? I feel like, well, Marina always told me this thing is like, I have a very, <laughs> a, good question, a little yeah. bit of a one-sided view of everything because I, I hear people talking and I kind of have to understand a word here and there because I don't really speak Russian. And um, I kind of like get a feeling for the situation without really knowing what people are talking about. And in the end, they often told me that people are grumpy like Marina and Anuta, our friend who was with us. But then as soon as they found out that I'm a foreigner, they would like put a smile on and everybody would be kind of interested and friendly. So I guess they react differently to a Russian coming up to them and a foreigner. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when um, Gior came along for the, for, for the project, like when the first interview, when we sat down, this is when I realized like, oh gosh, he doesn't speak Russian. <laughs> you know, I have to translate the whole interview to him. And, but, you know, there were so many advantages along the way. Um, you wouldn't believe it. Like people, I feel like it's, I don't know how you feel when you go to Russia, but people have, I think it's actually like, this is something from the Soviet times because there were not so many foreigners. So if you're in the middle of, of nowhere in Russia and they see a foreigner, there is still so much interest uh, like, where is this person from? What is he doing in the country? So it happened to us several times when we got, like, special treatment. Like, there was this one time in Kazan we were in, we were, when we were checking into a hotel and we arrived super early at 5 a.m. And the lady, she was, like, this grumpy, sleepy. She's, like, you know, checking after, uh, after 1 p.m. And then she had our passports. And then Georg, like, hands in his Austrian passport. And she sort of like takes it very slow and she looks at him and she goes, Inostranets, a, a foreigner. 
And she goes, I might be able to have you check in earlier. So you sort of get this, like, I, I think bringing York on the project had, like, another advantage of, you know, of course, you get, like, a, a different angle from, you know, foreign perspective, but there was also this foreigner card that we played on the trip. I think it becomes a little more of an exchange because they can ask me questions and I can ask them questions. Yeah, this is something I read in, in the, the reporting on the World Cup that I noticed that there is a lot of this, uh, at least for you know people from Latin America and especially were commenting about how the welcoming in Russia was just something that they didn't expect um, just because of whatever imagery and also the British too. And they, you know, I, I thought that was an interesting angle about the, the World Cup was just how uh, f people who went there from other countries found Russia really hos the hospitality and the e interest and et cetera. I mean, a lot of the things you just said uh, came across to me in, in that. Yes. And I, I feel like it's also, you know, this is, um, yeah, it's it's not that uh, clear because from one side, if like what I was really surprised because one of the most popular Google searches is uh, why Russians don't smile. <laughs> but then there is like this, um, as you mentioned, you know, like it's it's in our culture. Like if if you have a foreigner, if you have a foreign guest who came from a you know a very far country, you want that person to leave with you know good with uh, good uh, memories, with, uh, yeah, with just a good feeling about, about your country. So um, I feel like Georg was experiencing that too. Yeah, probably especially if it's not so touristically developed because I guess it wouldn't happen like that if you're in Moscow or St. Petersburg where so many foreigners go, but like the further east you go, I think the less people are used to seeing tourists. And like many people asked, really asked like, like, why do you come to Russia? Kind of like they were a little baffled, like, why would a tourist come here? Like, what is there to see? Uh -huh. <laughs> so you, you've, uh, if, on your, the podcast, Mr. 47, you've released three episodes so far. Why, why don't you tell me a bit about them? Yeah, we, like, we're not, so the plan is not to have every episode, like every story we have as a podcast. So we, like, we picked our favorites and we also picked the ones that are interesting on an audio level where we have like some ambient noise and stuff. And the thing is like the first episode is the story of the, uh, Vasily, the Putin impersonator. And like we wrote a little concept for our project and one page in there was like no politics, just like regular everyday stories. And then the first story we do is Putin and this guy, which is kind of ironic, but I mean, we're not talking about the president. We're talking about this dude who's doing that as a job. And funnily enough, this also has become one of the most popular episodes. Like, this episode has the most downloads. And it's a story about a guy who looks like Putin, and he's living, um, he's living a life of a regular guy, and he comes to Red Square, and he stands right next to Kremlin, but, you know, he's, he's having a totally different life from the person he's trying to be. And I guess, you know, it's, it's sort of a sad story, because he's no longer living his own life. Um, he, he, you know, he, we basically like try to make, to take a photo of him. And Georg is asking him like to be Vasily, not to be Putin. And like, he just can't turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I really liked uh, um, the episode on the fortune teller. What was the, how did, the, tell me a bit about how that uh, played out and came about. 
So the the lady, the fortune teller, is uh, Marina's godmother. And that was kind of like a warm-up for us because we thought, okay, we're just going to go to somebody that she knows. And we're going to record a story so we know we have something. And we'll see how this whole thing kind of plays out. And um, so she asked ahead of for my birthday to do this numerological analysis on my future, I think. And did she like in detail explain like how it works and told me everything about my health and my future career and love life and everything. So that was, I mean, she wasn't super serious about it, I think, because she kind of said everything with a smile. But, and like, I think it also, like she told about how she's been doing this for years and about doing this in the past and her hobbies that she pursued in the past, like yoga and other things that weren't really some so, things you would probably do in socialism. So I think that's the, all, all the things around it is what makes it a really nice story. And she really loved the interview. Like she loved the attention, you know, she, she doesn't, she barely leaves her house. So she's at home all the time and like having your coming with her, with his camera, she really dressed up and she was so happy about it. But you know, what I really like about this episode is not so many people know this abroad, but Russian people are so superstitious and you know, this esoteric a science or soda science it's so popular like people still pay a bunch of money to find out the best day to sign a contract and you know i i, I think it was a good episode in terms of uh, showing this side of um this side of russia yeah and she was a trained scientist is that isn't that correct uh yeah i mean she has a she has a technical education and uh as i think as an engineer but uh yeah something i guess something just went wrong at some point <laughs> um you know you 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 both you went around on, on trans-siberian um you you spoke i would imagine you spoke to many many more people than than the podcasts you'll you'll actually release about them were there any kind of common themes there's a thread of sorts that runs through a lot of your conversations with people that's a very good question as i said the stories are very very diverse and very different um what i feel like i don't know georg maybe your answer would be different but to me as a russian person uh what really was i think what really was striking is this enormous amount of hard work, optimism, and, you know, despite everything you're going through, this desire to continue and, um, yeah, and uh, and to survive. I mean, some of the stories, like, we met um, a mother um, on the train with uh, her little child who was, uh, I think he was four years old, and uh, he was prematurely born, and uh, he had... Um, several surgeries on, on his ears and he's, he's half deaf and you know just uh, just when we first uh, started to interview the woman we thought the story was actually about you know the son but then but then we realized that the story was about her because you know she also um, she grew up without a family and she, she's had a very tough uh, childhood and despite all all of that, you know, the way she talks about the love to her son, you know, she, the lady is taking a train, a train from St. Petersburg to Siberia because she can't afford a flight. And, you know, just to show 
her boy to a doctor. So she travels for a week with this, you know, little child running around the train. Um, but when you talk to her, there is an enormous amount of, you know, love towards towards life, and you know, it's 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 really it's really interesting um, how, uh, despite the situations that people run into, they they are very optimistic. Did you find any? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, the stories are super diverse and our questions are always about people's individual lives. So I think it's a little bit hard to find a common thread that goes through all of them. But yeah, I think it's it would be hard to find anybody in Russia that would complain and say, this is too hard, I can't handle it. Because I feel everybody, like, they go through hardship, but it's normal. Like, there's so many weird things you see and people say, well, it's normal. One of the words Georg really liked uh, on the trip was normalna. My favorite word, yeah. It's just so <laughs> neutral. Like whatever you see, it's just the most neutral way to say, well, normal. Yeah, my 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 one of my favorites. It's kind of in that genre as well as buivayet. Ah, oh, buivayet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That happens. Yeah. Buivayet. <laughs> normal. <laughs> um, you know, Marie, I I I I sent. You know, you grew up in in Russia and. Um, I, I sense a, a somewhat of a, a a bit of surprise uh, from your encounters. Is this? Did you get a sense of of the place and the people uh, doing this project that was different than when you were growing up? Um, you know, I, I think I think a lot of Russians who were growing up in European part of like Russia is just so big. And sometimes you spend your whole life just being in the European part of Russia. So, to me, going to those areas, like crossing the whole country, this was really about discovery. And sometimes I didn't feel that much different from Georg, because I felt like, you know, I also had a very sort of eye-opening experience. I was also meeting those people seeing those places for the first time. And this would be true about many Russians who are who are based in, in Moscow and St. Petersburg. And for you, Georg, what about you? What did you walk away uh, from with, from this experience? Yeah, I guess, like, the whole country didn't, uh, like, match all the stereotypes that I had in my head because I've been to Moscow and St. Petersburg before. But I think those places are, I mean, they're not, totally different, but they are definitely different to the rest of the country. And I had people tell me, like, um, it's going to be dangerous the further east you go. I had a Russian guy tell me, well, maybe you shouldn't do this. And we had a lady on the train, or in Ekaterinburg, there was a lady that told us, well, yeah, until here it's always fun, you know, but from now on it's getting really dangerous and there should always be one person awake in the train to, like, kind of be a guard for us. She really made us scared. Yeah, but... I think it's like Russians are even a little bit scared of the Far East themselves. But it's not not that wild, I think. I mean, we stuck to the railways. We went to bigger cities. I guess it's different if you go further north, maybe. And, and what region really stood out to both of you? I mean, I like Siberia and the Baikal Lake a lot. Because it's really how you imagine it. It's like endless forests. And everything is like the size. It's just... It's hard to comprehend that because it just, the train just goes on for hours and hours and there's nothing out there. 
and then there's the city again. I think for me it was uh, uh, Vladivostok, or as you say in English, Vladivostok. <laughs> uh, well, you see, the thing is, like, when you go to these uh, cities that are not far from Moscow, they always sort of compare themselves with the capital. They're like, well, in Moscow you do that, and here we do that. And Vladivostok, it just seemed like a whole, like, a whole capital, a whole center of the whole region. They're just so, you know, it's funny, somehow the question came up, um, we had a guide, remember? Um, what was her name? Genia. Uh, yeah, Genia, Genia. We were just sort of chatting and, you know, I, I was talking about the trip and I was like, well, we started with the start of Russia, you know, sort of from Moscow and we went to the end of Russia and Vladivostok. She's like, no, 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 no. Russia starts in Vladivostok, okay? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> She's like, well, where does the sun rise? Where does the new year start, you know, when it's the new year? And I was like, well, that's a fair point. I've never thought about it like that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about everything. Like, Vladivostok just seems to be so independent. There is no sort of this wish to be compared with the capital. You know, they, they feel like the center of Asia because so many Koreans, so many Japanese people are visiting now and they have businesses with, with Asia. So it just really, like, it was striking for me to see how, you know, how highly <laughs> they think of themselves and in comparison to Moscow, you know, they do believe they are the capital, you know, of their region. And um, yeah, I, I think that surprised me a, a lot. And also the nature in Vladivostok is just like such a beautiful port city, um, sort of reminding me of uh, Hamburg a little bit. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed Vladivostok. I guess in a sense, you know, the problem is 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 mostly us in the sense we we prioritize Moscow. We see it as the center of the country. And in, of course, in many respects it is. But I think at the same time, we lose sight of the fact that, you know, 11, 12 time zones away is really on the other side of the planet in some respects. And, you know, life has a different orientation. It understands itself different. Uh, and not necessarily in relationship to this, you know, the center of the country. Yeah, and uh, also if you read, uh, if you take a look at the miner story that we, you know, we met a group of miners from Far East on the train. And this is something they talk about a lot, about Far East versus Moscow and how different regions in Russia are developed in a very different way. Um, I mean, even the roads and the asphalt and, you know, all the little details like that. And, of course, um, I mean, Moscow is just this huge megapolis, which, you know, could be New York or Paris. Or <laughs> um, so I guess to discover the real Russia, you have to go farther and you have to you have to meet the people. I thought it's like like a gradient, you know, like civilization is close to Europe and there's this mega city in Moscow and then it kind of gets wilder and wilder prefer the Euro East. And I always had this like idea of renting a, a Lada and just drive around a little. And I thought, okay, like it's, that's, we've got a few days in Vladivostok. I'm just going to get one there. It's so far away. They will have all the old cars and all that stuff. And there was none, you know, because Japan is so close. So they just all get used cars from Japan. And it's like, they have a totally different orientation. And also like on vacation, you just meet people who say, yeah, we go to Thailand all the time because it's so close. So for them, it's like, why would we go to Europe? It's probably far away and expensive. So it's like, yeah, it's the same country still. And they're all like super Russian and 
you know that you're in Russia, but it's on the other end of the world. It's crazy. Well, Georg didn't get to drive Lada, but he did get to drive uh, Zhiguli. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Like, I always talked about this, like, I need to drive this car. And then, like, Marina kind of got sick of it. It's like, okay, we're just going to ask somebody to borrow their car. So we just walked up to, like, random people. And like, I think the first one, we're like, nah, I've got something to do. Sorry, I got to go away. And then we went to this little bakery. And they asked the lady the there, hey, nowhere, uh, yeah. is this your Zhiguli outside? Can we borrow it? And she's like, yeah, sure. Here's like here's the key. Like start the car, like go for a ride. I have to say, I'm amazed that you were able to find one. In all honesty, given the how many European and Asian cars are in in Russia now, I'm surprised that there was one still lying around. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of them. Actually. If you, if you go to like if you go to a village like in the middle of nowhere, you you'd mostly see Russian cars. To yeah. be fair, and you also rode on the car racing car remember <laughs> so in vladivostok uh should this be off the record no, no we'll put it on the record so georg participated in illegal uh car race well i got don't yeah. tell the russian police please i was uh, I, w- I was on the passenger seat so we we did a talk there at a center for contemporary arts and then this guy comes up to us like hey i know i got a story for you guys so there's an illegal car race this tonight and he like he he knew all the guys and he knew where it was and when it was there. So we went there in the middle of the night and it's on an open street, a drag race for a quarter mile. And they have all these like crazily modified cars. But I mean, it wasn't that scary anymore. I feel like because the guy he went up to like two hundred and forty. But the day before we took a a tour through Ruski Island, which is the island south of Vladivostok. And the guy who drove us around, he had this Infinity SUV and he just would go up to 200 because why not? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so the episode we're going to listen to is called The Rapper. Um, why don't you introduce the episode and, and tell a bit about how it came about? Yeah, this is like, it was kind of random because we were walking around like downtown Ekaterinburg and there were some people in these like mascot suits handing out flyers and the one that looked the funniest to us was this dude in a KFC fries costume. Like he's the, he looks like a pack of fries. And we were like, okay, let's talk to him. And we never saw his face. He only talked to us through the costume with his hands sticking out, which is pretty much the only part of his body we could see. And he started talking about his life and what he's doing. And it turns out he's a, a rapper and a hobby musician who's trying to make it in music. Basically, it's like this huge, like, potato costume walking around the street and just, like, pouring his soul out to me (laughs) through a costume. And, I mean, if you've seen the photo, it's, like, really funny. This is, like, one of my favorite photos of the project. Like, it's just me, like, sticking the microphone. Like, there is this, uh, like, fabric for him to breathe. And I'm, like, I'm just put the microphone in there and trying to, like, figure out what he's saying to me. And yeah, I mean, we've never we've never seen the face of the guy, but uh, it's 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 basically his life story and what it's like to uh, to make your ends meet when you are, you know, young something. And actually, that brings me back to your question: if there are any themes that are common, and I feel like this story of him just sort of like starting to be a minor, but not really having his heart in the profession, just doing it for. Just the sake of doing it, just get for his it. mom, no? yeah, for his mom and for like you know, not really having a passion, but having like a separate hobby and a separate passion. 
Um, that's something that I think we saw um, in several in several interviews. So, yeah, this is a story about about surviving and a story about still being able to enjoy life while you're surviving. So that was part one of my interview with Marina and Georg. And next up is their most recent episode of Mist of 47's podcast, The Rapper. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome back to uh, Mesto 47, Chapter 4, Ekaterinburg. Our third stop is Russia's fourth largest city. We crossed the Ural Mountains and are now technically in Asia, even though nothing about it feels Asian at all. It's still Russia. Moscow is far away now. We're at kilometer 1769. So we spent the night on the train and we'll be back on the train tonight. We take the subway downtown. They don't have tickets. You buy a token and they still have the Soviet turnstiles. They're always open and shut close if you don't put a token in. Or if you walk too slowly. I didn't want to take any chances, so I kind of ran through it. It's a warm summer morning, the heat is picking up, and we're walking down Vainera Street, a pedestrian zone in the center of Ekaterinburg. Now, I'm sure you had one of those moments when you need to be somewhere, you're in a hurry, and there's this guy in the street, handing out flyers. You throw a cold, unfriendly, no thank you, and carry on. Or you pick one, only to toss it into the next trash can. As we walk down the street, we see this person. A guy handing out flyers, stuck in a huge KFC costume. It's a red and white bucket with french fries and a whole chicken sticking out of the top. The only parts of the human inside we can see are his arms and legs. He looks clumsy making his way through the crowd, probably dying from heat in this thing. It's early July. He doesn't have a break during his shift, so we start talking right there in the street. There is a mesh fabric between the chicken legs for him to breathe, so I stick a microphone where I assume his face is and ask him how people react to his costume. No, вам слышно? No, да. Так странно с вами общаться? Реагируют нормально все ли все ли nice? Очень по-разному. Да. People react to this potato costume in a lot of different ways. There are some people with cool reactions. They'll hug me. Yesterday a girl gave me a Nike bracelet. Then there are some people who get scared. People are usually dull and frowning and just don't pay any attention to you. Although that's actually very difficult. Right now I need to go home. I don't really want to work, but I need the money. He says his name's Oleg, 18 years old. He moved to Ekaterinburg three years ago to study. He's a student at Polzunova Gorny College on his way to become a minor electrician. But he dreams of becoming a rap star. He's not a big talker. He doesn't talk around the bush. The way he talks about his life is probably how he writes his rap songs, precise and up to the point. With each word, he peels off the potato skin, getting us closer to what's under there. And under it, there's a lot. As you listen, it's hard to imagine it's the story of an 18-year-old. Yeah, I was born in Alexandrovsk, it's the Tomsk Oblast. 
I was born in Alexandrovskaya village in the Tomsk region. I grew up with a lot of siblings We never had enough money, so I started working when I was 12. I grew up quickly. I didn't have a real childhood. When I was 12, I dragged cast iron bath tubs around, I helped movers and ruined my back. When I was 13, I worked in a church. I cut the grass, took away the burnt candles, the priests paid us pennies. When I was 14, I used someone else's documents and went with my brother to do road work. We shoveled asphalt. I came to Yekaterinburg three years ago to study at the Polzanova Gorny College. The stipend is really small. Even though I have a higher one, 10 euros, it's not even enough to pay for a room in a dorm. So you have to work. I was working as a janitor for 100 euros a month. I worked as a realtor and I also worked in the kitchen at KFC. For a while I worked illegally and made almost 1,400 euros. I cannot tell you what work it was and why I left. Alec later explained what happened. He seems to have been a part of a money laundering scheme, but one guy set them up and left with the money. Some important people came into town with fancy cars took them into the forest. Now, in Russia, taking someone into the forest means he gets a beating, usually because they owe some cash. They didn't know what had happened to the money, who took it. After that, he stopped with that kind of work. He thought about having a family, and a job like that was just way too risky. Our teachers at college ask why we do so badly in school and work at the same time. It's because we're surviving and not living. My parents help, but it's a struggle to even buy clothes and food. Things have been hard, but I have more going on in my head than others my age. Right now, most 18-year-old guys just think about where they can go get wasted or have sex. Random hookups, partying, gangs. I'm really ashamed of young people today. They don't think about life. I'm starting to be a mining electrician. It's like a repairman for all the machinery in the mines. I didn't want to study that, but mom said you need a masculine profession. I wanted to be a musician because I went to music school. I play balalaika, guitar, all wind instruments and piano. Earlier I went on concert tours with kids from all over Russia. I even learned violin. Or I wanted to be a pastry cook. That's something I have loved since childhood. But now it's too late. I'm in my third year and I need to finish it. As I said, Oleg's really into rap music. He's recording his own tracks and working on his first album. He wants us to listen to his music, so his hands go inside of the costume and they come back out with his phone. From in there, he can't really see the screen, so he actually asks us to push the play button. <laughs> People say that rap is really dirty, but if you really take apart each line by itself, you can see a lot of thought behind it. 
For a known name, to shoot for something more elaborate is really hard. If I can't make it with this album, then I'll go to the army. There is no fucking way I'll go do what I'm studying. Standing in mines with water up to my balls isn't for me. As we speak, I catch myself thinking. We talked to a guy for some time, he told us all about his life and we didn't even see his face, just his hands. Yeah, as I take the photo, he gives a thumbs up, confident and cheerful, and that gives the shot a meaning. Here he is, stuck in a potato costume, working a job he doesn't like, but it makes ends meet. And having lived through so much, yet he's so optimistic. When we wrap up the interview and continue our way, we argue whether it's a sad or a happy story. I mean, just the fact that he had to go through all of this by the age of 18 and he thinks it's absolutely normal is disturbing. But because he's so positive about his prospects, you have this confidence that he will be okay no matter what. Yeah, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? And it also makes you wonder, do we all have this kind of potato costume on us as a self-defense mechanism of how strangers see us? And underneath, there is a real person with a real story going through real struggles and real emotions. Sometimes all you need is a simple, how are you, to see through it. Having this in mind, will you be the one who takes the flyer and smiles back at the potato? Think about it. Yeah, one of the that's the, the the one thing I picked up from the episode is, you know, this young guy Oleg who's really I mean, it's a shitty ass job, you know, standing out and and in this boiling in this uh this suit and pass trying to get people to go into the restaurant, uh, probably passing out coupons or flyers or something. But, you know, he he has all sorts of, you know, he has dreams, right? His music and you you play some of the music, you played some of the music in the episode. Uh, he he's kind of hustling, right? He has many kind of irons in the fire, or at least he has potential irons in the fire. He, um, you know, it to me it, it spoke to just the the on the one hand the ambition, uh, the entrepreneurship, but also the um, you know the work the I guess or I should say the dreams of of this young guy. Yes, exactly, and uh, I think if you know if you think about it, like. Like, if you listen to the episode, I, I feel like the most important thing is always remember that he is 18. <laughs> you know, all the things that, like, all the, uh, all the qualities that you mentioned, like, all the obstacles he had to overcome, I feel like with each one he was, he was growing this, um, you know, all these uh, positive um, ca- character features in him. And I feel like he wouldn't have been who he is without... That, uh, without that experiences he's lived through but it was just so funny like um do you remember when you were taking a photo of the guy yeah he's like he just gives thumbs up 
I'm not sure. Maybe it was it was his like the the custom character he does, but yeah, he's like everything's kind of normal. It's just life as you live it. It's not that bad. Even like he told us uh, the story about how he did like a kind of illegal job, and then there were problems, and he got beat up in the forest. But yeah, I don't feel like he was he was like shocked that this happened, or oh my god, this is crazy. And that's the thing. Like he's never complaining. So he's sort of sharing his life, um, but the way that he looks at this experience, it's 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 very in some way like it's not again. This is what strikes me. It's not an eighteen-year-old view on things. It's something like someone who's who has lived his life. You know, like he looks back at these experiences and he says, "Well, I decided to have an honest job. You know, well, yes, that sucks, but you know, I have my dream. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know." I will try to make the dream happen. And this is not just Oleg, but in general, I feel like there are so many creative Russian people and um, the, a lot of talented Russian people. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just curious if one day um, I'm going to turn on a TV and I'm going to see, um, well, I mean, I'm not going to recognize his face, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll hear the voice of some famous rapper and I'm going to be like, hey, that's Oleg. He's made it. Look. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's the same here and there that people have these dreams that they want to accomplish. But I guess it's so much harder when you're economically not in a good place. Well, that's the, the two things that kind of st stand out is on the one hand, he um, he doesn't have a sense of entitlement. Right. He doesn't actually really expect anything to just kind of come to him. On the other hand, he I, I found it interesting the way he referred to his peers. Like he's not, you know, most most 18-year-old guys like him, they just want to get wasted and have sex, right? And he doesn't seem to see himself in, in that way. Um, you know, and, and this this also it feeds into an impression that I, I got when I was in, in, in Russia in October that I too was struck by the by young people you know granted i was in moscow so it's a different situation but nonetheless i was very impressed by um young pe the young people i encountered and and i and in them i really saw um a, a really amazing future for the country because i i saw people you know just i guess just like oleg in 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 many respects yeah, I think it's a very different generation and I feel like there is a huge conflict because I mean I'm I'm 30 at the moment and like the generation of our parents they were brought up in this strict Soviet framework of Leninism communism and um you know very restricted and uh, with you know with their hopes and dreams and socialism which never came true. And then you have us, you know, sort of like still being born in USSR in 89 or 90 um, and sort of being brought up by those parents who couldn't fulfill their dreams. Um, so we're sort of something in between. And then we have people like Oleg who are much younger, who have no longer this um, bringing up, like they're no longer affected by this. And I think this shapes a completely new generation in Russia. Georg, do you, what, what about your impressions? I feel like this, the, the well-known stereotype of the vodka drinking Russian, I feel like <laughs> that's totally not true because I feel like either 
somebody's like drinking or they don't. It's not really an in between. Like in on the trains, you're not allowed to drink anymore, except in the dining cart. And I think we only had a guy in our compartment once that pulled out a bottle and said, "Hey, do you want a zip?" So it's it's very civilized. I feel like now. Yeah, I, that's that's one of the the major impressions I had too. Is that the drinking is so down from you know over the last uh, you know fifteen twenty years I've been going there. Uh, it's a it is a really the landscape has changed dramatically in, in a lot in this regard. But I mean, I also feel like people kind of look up to the mighty politicians and they feel a little bit powerless because I guess they feel like well they just do what they want. And there's nothing really we can do about it. But yeah, but I think we also got asked about like, what's what's like, what's your opinion on Putin? Like, so the the political questions that we didn't want to ask, they, they sometimes they came back to us. From their perspective, like, did you get a sense of you know, I mean, on the one hand, you just said that they kind of look up at politicians and they don't seem to have much faith. Those people are going to do whatever they want. But did you get any other broader views of people's sense of the pol- political situation in Russia? I think it's very diverse. It's, uh, you know, we didn't really talk much about politics. We were mostly talking about the personal life. But then, like, of course, our life is so connected with politics because the level of, you know, of our economics and uh, the freedom that we can afford is very connected to politics. So, I mean, if you look into Miner's interview, that's very oppositional. But at the same time, you have people like my godmother who you know she, she, she said that esotericism predicted that putin will be in power for another 50 years um <laughs> so i feel like you know i feel like it's 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 very diverse but um coming back to your question about the the new generation uh, for for those uh for those who listen to this i i also uh want to uh recommend a story on on the teenagers because this is also it's um uh we met those teenagers in a park in Yekaterinburg and they were also like 17 or 18 years old and um just the way they talked about the re- relationship with their parents and how different they are from their parents um I think I think this is you know this is very interesting, and uh, it was just a bunch of uh, teens that we met in the park, and the funny thing like we spent a whole day with them just um, you know singing songs like which band was that they they were singing Twenty One Pilots yes Twenty One Pilots and uh, just chatting like they did a tattoo on Georg <laughs> like a fake tattoo <laughs> <laughs> they wrote, they wrote a word a shastya which means happiness on his hand and um, you know just hanging out the the whole day and like in the entire day nobody had a beer or like a cigarette you know it was it was very innocent and uh, in a way like yeah it was interesting to see what they feel and how they think, which is so different from all the generations. And I feel like they, they really have this feeling that we're going to be the generation that's going to change things. And, and finally, you know, what do you want, what do you hope listeners take away from your stories? I mean, for me, I think I hope that people kind of don't see Russia in this negative light that it often gets portrayed in. And I think that is happening to a lot of countries like, I don't know, also Iran or something, that there's always somebody's going there and saying, coming back, like, totally, like, 
like um, excited about it and saying like hey people are so friendly it's totally different than what you think it would be yeah i i would want people to listen to the stories and i think it depends like for somebody maybe to uh find themselves in the story that the stories they're listening to you know maybe they can relate maybe you know they sort of had a similar life paths and yeah and maybe just people getting curious about russia and maybe even you know to themselves to come and to experience um, the Trans-Siberian and maybe it will inspire other people to make the trip because, I mean, this is, of course, once-in-a-lifetime experience. That was Marina Dimikovskaya and Georg Waldner about their stories on the Trans-Siberian Railroad and their podcast project, Mist of 47. Again, if you like what you hear, I urge you to subscribe to Mist of 47 on your favorite podcast app, or go to their website, mesta47.org. I'm your host, Sean Guillory, and this is the SRB Podcast. The SRB Podcast is sponsored by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Pittsburgh and listeners like you. If you like this podcast and listen to it every week and find it interesting, please take a moment to share it with your friends on social media or tell people about it. And if you have any money, throw some my way at my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Sean's Russia blog, or you can go to the podcast website, srbpodcast.org. So until next time, bye.